On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. to Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. And today we're taking a little side trip that is Bruce Springsteen and especially E Street Band related, but we're going to do a little twist. It's our 100th episode, and to celebrate, I am honored to have New Jersey rock and roll royalty joining me. Founding member of the E Street Band and member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the one, the only, Vinny Lopez. Welcome, Vinny. Hey, thanks for having me, Jesse. It's very cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, this is, and we're going to talk a little about this, but it is, I, I, it must be just really a wonderful experience. You just were at the Seaside Serenade where we had all these Springsteen and New Jersey music fans all there and it so many people had pictures taken with you uh I, it looks like you were having a blast oh i did i did have a blast and you know for me it wasn't only people from new jersey there there was people from all over the place and uh, yeah. they're all so nice and they're very interested in in really you know what happened in those early days around the town there you know and like uh, like I remember on the tour, we were standing on a, the corner of Fourth Avenue and Kingsley, and they were talking about, you know, Bon Jovi and Bruce at the Fast Lane and this and that. And I went, well, you know, right here, this vacant lot, 
that's where I first, you know, started playing the drums with Buzzy Lubinsky. You know, I mean, the Lincoln Hotel was there. We did teenage dances in the Lincoln Hotel. The Candy Cane Lounge was in underneath the uh, the Lincoln Hotel. Bill ba- Bill Haley and the Comets played there. Oh, Bill Black wow. and his orchestra played there. The, the coffee house around the corner, right on Kingsley, was known as the Espresso House. Well, Melanie used to play there. We all used to go to, you know, we couldn't get in. We were kids. But you could certainly stand outside and hear these bands playing. Across the street from there was the, the Jefferson Hotel, where late nights after the pony was closed, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning in the old days, we'd all go to the Jeff because the bar would stay open till 5, 6 in the morning. Till, and, and, you know, the cops never came. Everything was cool. You know, but those, th- those places aren't there anymore. Right. So that's the kind of thing I tried to do on the tour. It was just enlighten people about other things that were right there. It's just not all about Bruce and Bon Jovi, you know. Absolutely. Really there's, there's tons of other stuff. And just so my listeners will know, um, Vinny and I talked about, and um, I don't know, if, if he has a good enough time, maybe he'll join me again and we'll do a more East Street Central, you know, focused interview. But I told Vinny I wanted to talk about him and his musical journey um, the same way I would have any of my guests that we kind of talk about their personal journey and experience with music. So um, if you're expecting dirt or um, <laughs> un- or, or, or the top secret s- stories of, well – what is Gary Talent really like? Uh, we're not. That's not this episode. We may get him if Vinny has a good enough time. We may do another one, but today we're going to talk uh, to the man. So I always like going to the beginning. Um, I'm about ten years uh, younger than you, um, but my family were, you know, to steal a Bruce Brother joke, my family listened to both kinds of music, country and western. Uh, yep, mine too. Yeah, my dad was in uh, was born um, in Tennessee, lived most of his time in Ohio. My mom grew up in Louisiana, and that's where they met. He was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana, and um, country and western was predominantly though my mom did love Fats Domino and Bobby Darren and a few other you know early Jerry Lee Lewis and other you know early rock and rollers um, my dad hated Elvis in fact one of my and I promise I'm gonna get to a question but I just you know once he said I'm gonna go find an I want to get a copy of Peace in the Valley that isn't sung by GD Elvis Presley uh, so <laughs> so Vinny, what did you listen to as a, you know, your family? Were they musical? Were they, did they, was there music in the house? Yes. Uh, my, my grandfather actually played the banjo and the piano. My father played the harmonica a little bit and he, and he started playing a little bit of guitar. Uh, one of my earliest recollections really is when we lived in Neptune, uh, outside of Asbury Park there. Uh, and I, I would, you know, I was a kid, you know, eight years old, and I had to go to school in the morning. But my brother had a bunch of his friends over the house, and they all had guitars, and they were all sitting in the living room singing, you know. So I snuck out of my bedroom and went down the hall a little bit and stuck my head in there and listened for a while, and I got caught and had to go back to bed, you know. But but that kind of thing, 
always went on. Now, when I first started playing uh, the drums, my father was very, uh, my mother and father were separated. They, you know, I lived with my grandparents really, but it, my father would take me to gigs. Oh, how fun. You know, and, uh, and do stuff, you know, I mean, cause he, you know, he didn't, he loved it. He thought it was, he thought it was a great thing, you know, and uh, just, I'll give you a little tidbit about my father. Okay. Now, he's the first one of any of us that ever met Bruce Springsteen. Oh, interesting. When, when I, when I was a, when I was a kid, we had a band called Sonny and the Starfires. Okay. Okay. And we play, we played at Mammoth Shopping Center and we opened for, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis there. We opened for, uh, the Bo Brummels there. We, uh, opened for this, uh, Dave Garraway champ, uh, J. Fred Muggs <laughs> was the yeah. headliner a lot when yeah. we opened for this monkey, you know, but we went up, our, our agent slash manager, uh, took us to New York city to do a demo. And in those days there wasn't tape or there wasn't any of that. It was, you, you recorded your demo right on an acetate, yes. right on a record. Okay. And it was soft. So you really couldn't play it a lot. But anyway, we got a few copies of that. And my father had a copy of that. And he lived in a trailer park out, out towards Freehold. And uh, I think Bruce's aunt lived in the same trailer park. Okay. And he was walking by my father's trailer one day, and he was playing that Sonny and the Starfires uh, acetate. And Bruce came up to him and said, yeah, that's good. Who's, who's playing that music, you know? So my father goes, oh, that's my son, Biddy, and Sonny and the Starfires, you know. And uh, since that day, I think Bruce went because he liked the way Sonny was playing guitar. So oh, how fun. he used to come in here, hear Sonny play. And we didn't know Bruce was in the audience listening to Sonny play. Right. You know, but that's that's what Bruce does. And to this day, Sonny and Bruce are very good friends, you know. Yeah. But that's just a little tidbit about my father. And like later on now, my father got really hurt in, a, in an accident mm-hmm. and uh, he's in a wheelchair. But he would always hang. He lived in Asbury. He was always on the boardwalk. And whenever Bruce did his uh, shows, uh, my father would be out in the wheelchair, and somebody from Bruce's crew would come out and give my father the shirt, the hat, the credentials, bring him in, you know, mm-hmm. to the rehearsals, to anything that was going on. Bruce always took care of my father. Oh, that's you know, a lovely that's, uh, story. That's, that's just something you know that I'll, I'll, I can't ever forget. I mean, Bruce is yeah. very kind like that. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 
Pantheon 50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon 50 and use the code Pantheon 50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, I... I have to ask this question. My my wife's brother, uh, Ralph, is um, about your age, and he played in a band during high school and college. He was a drummer, and um, my father-in-law, God rest his soul, would take them to gigs. He would load up the you know the stuff in the car and bring them to him, but <laughs> It was a sore point with Ralph is that um, Ray Carroll, which is my father's name, always made him report the money they made oh. to the IRS. Oh, <laughs> and Ralph's like, I'm the only 17 <laughs> year old garage band drummer that's having to report that I made 50 bucks at a, a, a CYO dance to the IRS. Right. <laughs> And too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wait, what are you kidding? Um, so, Give me a check. I'll report a check. Exactly. Uh, so I, I just, I, I, but I love that when your family's supportive and and they want to be there for you, and that's great. Um, yeah, my whole family yeah. supported what I was doing back in those days. Yeah. Um. You know, I to get ready for this, I I watched, I rewatched you 
accepting um, the acceptance speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And later in the interview, I want to talk about that night and share with you and kind of sure. have you share your emotions. But you talked about, I thought it was really special. You spent your time talking about the people who helped influence you and helped you along your journey. Um, and if you don't mind, would you mind repeating the story about how you fell in love with the drums and decided that was your once in future, you know, destiny? Sure. Uh, well, you know, first of all, when I, when I was a kid, you know, and I was in third grade, uh, I got in a drum and a bugle corps. I didn't play the drums. Okay. I played, uh, I played a bugle. Interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I marched in many, many competitions with the Shoreliners, Neptune, New Jersey, via, you know, uh, VFW thing. And, uh, but I played the bugle, but there was guys there, uh, the Abel brothers, they were, it was uh, Jeter and John Abel. Uh, and they were both the drummers. They were drummers in the band, you know. So one time Dieter says, hey, come on over to my house, you know. Uh, and I go to his house and there's a drum set set up. And it was beautiful, you know. Another thing happened to me. Um, I went to my cousin Ralph's house. And uh, he's old, a little older than me. But I went to his house. Now I'm a kid and I walk in and there's a drum set set up. And it's glistening in the sun. It was beautiful. You know, I, I didn't sit down and play it because I didn't have any clue so now i'm getting to eighth grade in high school and uh my friend who's my doctor today his name's augie rioli and i in fact i went to him today i just saw him uh, he says hey you know they're having these teenage dances we went to holy spirit school in asbury park okay i lived in mm-hmm. Neptune, took a bus down to asbury but he says they're having teenage dances on thursday nights and uh, let's go to one. It's over here at the USL on Sewell Avenue. So we, I said, yeah, okay. So we waited till the thing was going to start. And it was like, you know, early because it was teenage dance. So it was a Thursday night. So we're walking over and you could hear the music playing because Buzzy played drums along with records. Buzzy Lebinsky. Wow. And I'm, we're walking down the street and I'm saying to Augie, I said, I thought you said it was like a guy playing records. That sounds like a band. We went up the stairs, and sure enough, there's all the kids in there. And through the kids, you could see Buzzy over there on his full drum set. He had two turntables. He had headphones on. He'd cue the records up while he's playing the other record. He's, he could play with one hand, cue the records up, go back to playing. When that song was over, he pushed another button, and this record would start spinning all 45s. And right there, I went, holy mackerel, that, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I went up and started talking to Buzzy, you know, he gave me a job, like helping him clean up afterward, bringing the records to his car, uh, you know, setting the, bringing the drums out, sweeping up the USO club. But soon I started going to all these other teenage dances with him and mm. doing the same thing. So every once in a while he'd say, look, I gotta, I gotta go do something, you know? And, uh, I, he'd give me the drumsticks. Now I had no idea. He showed me how to hold the drumsticks. And all I did was flounder around and play along with records, you know, just one here, one there. But then I got myself a bunch of records and I got myself a practice pad and I started playing what I heard on those records, just trying to keep that beat that I was hearing. Uh, when I was in drum and bugle corps, I played my yeah. bugle along with Elvis Presley. You know, yes. I mean, you know, you asked what I, 
had listened to any old Elvis first record I ever bought was the Mule Skinner Blues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of the Beach Boys. I love the Beach Boys. So, (sighs) but that's how I really learned how to play the drums. Yeah. And not long after that, I was in a band with Sonny Ken, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, playing. So, you know, it's something and I I never really formally took any lessons. I just uh, picked it up. I just persevered and picked it, but with a practice pick because there was no way I could have a drum set in my house. Right. And then once once I got uh, once I got going with the band, actually, uh, we got a little drum set. My grandmother Mm -hmm. and grandfather got me a drum set. So and my uncle. My Uncle Joe actually bought me my first drum set, real drum set, which was a Ringo set, uh, Ludwig's. It wow. was beautiful. Very nice. You know? um, I wanted to go back. Um, I'm a huge Beach Boy fan as well. I, I love Brian Wilson, and there is such a joy in that music. Any special songs? You mentioned Elvis, but any special Beach Boy songs that you just have stuck with you that you still love to this day? Well, I just, I just, not, not really uh, okay. a surfer girl, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you like all that stuff and uh, through, you know, growing up and then getting, hooking up with like Tinker and all of that, Tinker built surfboards, we all started yeah. surfing. It was like, I went, oh, wow, this is, a, this is what I was, this is what I was into these years ago. And, oh, how funny. You know, it made, made me feel, you know, made me feel pretty good, you know, it was. A lot of stuff like that that went on with me, but uh, the Beach Boys, uh, I, I was really into, uh, I had a tape recorder, I had a reel-to-reel tape recorder, so I was into taping things that were on the TV that I knew were going to come on, Okay. you know, and, and having, uh, uh, like, what, I, like I, it was just an early childhood memory of mine, uh, Jerry Lewis replaced i think it was jack parr on the tonight show Mm -hmm. years ago right and uh, he was he was doing this thing uh one hen two ducks three squawking geese so i got out my tape recorder and i recorded that and then i listened to it over and over again now i can say the whole thing verbatim and it's a test that you give that i could give people see how far they can go in this in this test but i still know that today from when i was a kid because i'm a tape recorder I actually recorded the boxing match where, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Benny Kid Perrette got killed by, mm-hmm. uh, uh, oh man, I don't know why can't I think of it right now, but I had that on tape, you know, just the sound. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was interested in that kind of stuff. We, we used to have boxing matches in my living room. My grandfather got me some boxing gloves and oh, all the kids from the neighborhood would come fun. over and. He'd be the referee, and we had big fat gloves, and we'd knock each other silly. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't record much of the TV, but I would have my cassette player next to the AM radio and would try to record some of my favorite songs so that I could hear them again. Um, so I, I, you are bringing back very happy memories of that. Um, yeah, well, you got to yeah, you got to do something like that when you're a kid. You right, know? absolutely. School or yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to kind of move on. You're obviously you've started uh, performing and in uh, for school dances, and if you were like Ralph, he played anywhere they would have them. <laughs> you know, 
Um, well, we were we were we were selective because not oh. everybody every, not everybody wanted us. <laughs> so, so when we found some place, we stuck roots in there. And uh, like uh, for instance, we became the house band at the Hullabaloo Club in Asbury Park. Oh, you know, nice. we were the house band there. We auditioned, and they said, "Yeah, you guys are good." You know, so we'd open for uh, different bands that came through there. Uh, that that were more name bands, less Dusty yeah. West, the Vagrants. You know, they played their uh, NRBQ. You know, they were called uh, the Five of Us or something in the mm-hmm. in the early days. They weren't NRBQ, but stuff like that. But we would also play there, and, and we had to learn a lot of songs to play in that place because it was four sets a night. Yes, it was fifty-five on and five minutes off. Wow. Four sets, 55 and 5, but during the 5, I was the drummer. It was hullabaloo. I had to keep it beat. Right. So everybody else got to take a break. So but not I you. Didn't, and they, they, would, they would bring me my soda you know, <laughs> and stuff that I was drinking over. You know, like they, yeah. I remember they had the, the root beer, they had ginger ale, they had Coca-Cola, they had orange soda. Right. They'd say, what do you want? I'd say, just all of them in there. Suicide <laughs> is what we ki- we kids used it, yeah. to call it. Yeah. <laughs> I was Just gonna, give me them all. Yeah. Know? I was going to ask you, Vinny, what what were the must songs you you had to know and to kind of you know you knew that that the kids wanted to hear those songs. What were they? Well, we did Chuck Berry. Yeah. Okay. We we did uh, some Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to, to us, that was like we didn't do a lot of Beatles. We did we did the other stuff. We did uh, we actually did Bo Brummel songs. Like when we opened for Bo Brummel's at Mama said that they they really hated us because we did one of their songs. You know, but we did uh, Jerry Lee. We did mm-hmm. stuff like that. Sonny was into Bill Black combo, so we okay. did you know some stuff from that. We didn't necessarily do what was you know the kids wanted to hear. Uh, actually, you know, because I, I was fired from the from Bruce's band, but I was also the very first audition I went to was fired because I wouldn't do Wipeout. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, you know, I set up the drum. Buzzy lent me his drum set. We went over, we set it up. I'm doing it. Going to do the audition, and it was Billy Chinnick mm-hmm. and Danny Federici. Okay, with the sure. storytellers, they were making a band. And I was auditioning to be their drummer. So Chinnick goes, okay, do white. We're going to do white. Out. I said, uh, come on, I sing. I want to, cause I was, I've been singing since I was a little kid in grammar school. Right. I want to sing background and play, you know. He goes, no, you got to do Wipeout. Everybody wants to hear Wipeout. You know, this was his thing. Everybody wants to hear Wipeout. I said, well, I want to sing and play. He goes, we're going to do Wipeout. You either do Wipeout or, or leave. I said, I'll leave. So oh, how fun. <laughs> The very first time I ever auditioned for a band, I was fired. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, you've kind of answered one of my questions later, as I was going to ask, you know, back in the day, was there a song you were tired of playing and you just didn't want to hear? So we have at least one, Wipeout, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I don't I don't mind. I, I don't mind doing any song to this day, as long as it do look good. Okay. You know, I, I don't care. I don't care what song it is, a slow one, a fast one, a, you know, whatever, whatever it is. You know, if somebody asked me to do a song, if I can do it, I do it. And I don't care. 
Okay. Uh, which one it is, and and I know I never get tired of playing. You know, I play with a few tribute bands uh, around, and I never get tired of doing those old songs, the old Bruce songs that I play on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just you know, it's music. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's very simple. I mean, we used to do the Looney Tunes theme. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, <laughs> anything anything is on the table. So. Hey. Very That's cool. Just the way you got to do it. So, Vinny, I'll kind of, this is dealer's choice, but is there any specific, maybe, live performance memories you have that you might want to share with uh, our audience? Um, you know, you've kind of talked about, you know, some of your early stages where you're playing the dances, but as you, you know, kind of move forward in your career, both with Bruce and afterwards, you know, are, is there, or maybe, I, I, you know, you see that you've done, you know, sometimes they've had you on stage and you've played. So during your wide career, is, is there a few that stand out that you go, wow, that was a really special night? Well, uh, there's, there's a few to stand out in my, in my mind. One uh, in particular was uh, we were, when I first hooked up with, with Bruce and little Vinny and, and Federici, uh, we had a band called child and we did a concert in the park that had a whole bunch of bands and, you know, regular one of those things. And, but the very next show we did, we were invited to play on the back steps of mama college at Wilson hall, which is it, the steps go down it opens into this big, beautiful field. And, you know, now there's buildings there. It's not the same as it was, but the steps are still there. But we set up everybody, and there was a few bands in this. Now, there was probably three, maybe 400 people at this show, and they were all sitting down the bottom of the stairs, and all the other bands were playing on top of the stairs. And as soon as we came up, after the other bands, it was our turn. As soon as, and this was like our se- the second gig we ever played, uh, we were setting our stuff up and all the people got up. I mean, every one of them and got up as close as they could to us. We actually looked at each other and went inside the building. because We didn't know what they were doing. Wow. We didn't know what the people we got, we got scared. Mm -hmm. So we went inside the building and and Tinker came in. What are you guys doing? Come on. We got to get set up. We got to play the show, you know? So, we set up, but all the people came right up. And that's the way it was when we played shows. You know, people would just want to get in close. And I tell you the truth, uh, I really like it when yeah. people are right in close. I really, really like it. Now I can actually look at somebody and communicate with them. Uh, the show we just did at the Stone Pony, we uh, Dog Whistle with Holly Whistler and John Sebastian and Bryce and, and uh, Gary Cavco. Gary's band was all set up on the stage. So we set up right in the front. And I only play my snare uh, with my monster brushes and my yeah. thing, you know. But the people were right there. And it was the coolest feeling that there is because you know, you could, you could just talk to somebody. Hey, I like that a lot. And the people, I think, got a kick out of that too. Uh, I, you know, I can imagine just that feeling, that intimacy, um, you know, as you get the clubs bigger and the stadiums and arenas and such, it is harder and harder to, 
have a connection. Well, um, you can't even see the people. You know, you probably, right. You know, I'll go, I'll go and play with Bruce like in Philly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, last time. You know, but I, I when you're on the drums back there and the lights are pounding you, you can't really see the people. Right. But now, when I was with Bruce in Philly, he brought me out front. I sang on the front mic with him. That's nice. And now you get an idea of what's going on. Right. You know, but you're still, you know, 40 feet away from the front row. Yeah. You know, they're, they're way over there. So, you know, it's, it can't be intimate, you no. know, with, with, with Bruce now, you know, yeah. the way it is. Uh, but even like at the Paramount or you play, uh, like when I go on light of day tours, we play a lot of small little venues where people are right on top of you. But right. then there's the ones where you play in this opera house and they're way over there. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it becomes harder to, to, for me to get it across when you, when you're so far away. I like, you know, I, I, I can do my thing when I'm right up close and natural with people. Um, yes, I agree. And I, I would have loved to seen that with just, the snare drum and the brushes and um i i was lucky enough to um a local singer songwriter sarah hickman once did that she had a guitar and um a guy had a bass and then the only it was only a snare drum and i was amazed at how much how much percussion and how you know between the brushes and the sticks and kind of working how much diversity he could do without this you know big old drum kit and so i i can think that would be a blast to do that no it is to me it is to me it is because people go how do you how do you make it sound like all them beats i just do the beat you know yeah it's no no big deal backbeats there i can do that but the other stuff i can i'll make you imagine that there's a symbol there you know you don't have to it don't have to be there but you're going to think there is yeah just because of the way i do it that's a, you know, that's sometimes I'm funny, you know, I'll, I'll go and I have a lick and I got to go boom on the symbol, you know, and I'll, go, and I'll just do it. But there's no symbols there. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But I, I, stamp, I stamp my feet and I do stuff, you know, yeah. like running in place. Sure. <laughs> um, so over the years, is there been, you know, favorite bands or albums or songs that you've gone? Yeah, that's something pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, I mean, the whole bunch of us, uh, like I said, in the, in the old days, uh, we used to listen to, I'd go to Sonny's house and we'd listen to Bill Black mm-hmm. and we'd listen to, uh, you know, Jerry Lee and we'd listen to Chuck Berry. So we had a, a handle on how to play it ourselves, you know, yeah. uh, when the Rolling Stones came around, you know, that we, we, we liked them. We listened to all those British bands, you know, the Beatles. We listened to them, you know, Sonny, we didn't do any real Beatles, but I had a band called the moment of truth and Gary talent was in that band. We did the whole Sergeant Pepper album. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, you know, you go through your gambit, but guess what you got to do to do that? You got to listen. And we like to, we did, we did revolver and we did all of those, you know, Beatles yesterday Are you still there, Vinny? You know, now okay. uh, yeah. I'd like to go see uh, another Jimmy Buffett show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Because I, I like Jimmy Buffett, you know? I uh, do. I, I, I enjoy uh, some of these Zydeco guys that don't ask me their names because I don't know, but they right. come up every once in a while and I'll go hear their band because it's great, you know? 
and I got uh, a ton of guys now that I, uh, when I go places, they also, oh, you're going to play a song, you know, so I, you know, I, I, if there's no drum set there and they're just a guitar player, I get a tambourine and I can certainly sing right yeah. along with them, you know, and, and I enjoy that too. I enjoy that. I, I can't really have my drum and no microphone in front of me. Right. You know, Absolutely. I got to have a microphone. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks. Um, and I just a couple more questions because I didn't want to take sure. you too long, but this has been so much fun. I will ask this, and I kind of told you I was. Is there a song that you wished you or an album you wished you could have played on? Um, you've certainly moved on and had a very um, satisfying, you know, musical life and everything. But when you see some of the work that Bruce or little Steven or other people, you know, in the band have done, is there something you go, yeah, I would have liked to have been on that album or I would have liked to do drums on that song? I would have liked to have been on all of them. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not, so yeah. I, don't, I don't care about that. Okay. I, you know, like, like, uh, when, like it was a couple of years after I was out of the band and Max yeah. was the drummer. And uh, it was a show at the Garden, Madison Square Garden, they were doing. Yeah. And uh, I was backstage, and it was after the show, and there was Max mm-hmm. and his wife and Penny Marshall and Peter Marshall. Okay. And there was there was a few other people standing there, and then I, I went up to Max, you know, and I said, hey, man. And I'm in with you, and I said, look, I said, Max, I got to tell you. You were great tonight. The drums were pounding, and I could hear every lick you were doing. It was it was wonderful. He goes, "That should be great. I'm doing all your licks." <laughs> what a great line! That is Max wonderful. Says to me, you know, Max says to me. So, to me, you know, because like I go play with these tribute bands. Now I don't play on all of that stuff. Right. But now the one the guy will go, "Oh, you know, Dancing in the Dark." I go, "Count it off." Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't care. The, I, I played in this. Well, I went to this. Uh, I was actually in a uh, it's called what was it called? Uh, but it, but, you know, it's where uh, all of the sci fi people get together and, and, okay. and like Shatner's. There and all these yeah. Guys. Like and a science fiction convention. Yeah. Yeah. Like a convention like that. Yeah. But they had Alice Cooper, uh, me, they had a few people, you know, sign and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, Alice Cooper's uh, one of his bands that back him up sometimes was there. So they said, "Oh, you're going to come and do a do a song with us or two? I said, "Sure, no problem." Now there's like a thousand people there listening yeah. to the band. They said, uh, "Do you know this song?" And I even forget what song they asked me. And I said, "Count it off." Yeah, <laughs> I never heard it before. Yeah, but I'll figure I it out. I, I it's I, real simple. You know, I, Vinny, I think that is. The thing that fascinates me the most, whether it's the Bruce or just a bunch of people, um, you know, I my my niece is in, you know, is in a band, her husband. And and I'm amazed when they go um, just start it and I'll figure it out, you know, and, and I, I just there's a gift to that that us non-musicians don't understand it, it's like um yeah just start talking in french and i'll pick it up and i'll be able to uh converse in that language and we're like 
how do you do that? And it's just in our mind, it's magic. Past year, we we uh, go to Europe, and uh, we were playing in Germany, and one of the fellas. on my snare but he starts singing because he's from amsterdam so he's singing in dutch yeah i never heard his song before or never spoke dutch before but he came up to me afterwards and he goes i didn't know you knew dutch (laughs) (laughs) i said i I didn't either until we started doing that song oh that's amazing but but I I can I, I I guess what you what would you call it I I can uh, I mimic okay. what I'm hearing. That makes sense. You know, I wouldn't be actually saying the exact maybe words, mm-hmm. but it sure sounds like I am. Yeah. And as far as harmony's going, as long as I'm hitting the right notes, there you and, go. Uh, and singing along, everybody's listening to him. They're not really listening to me because I'm just doing this background thing. But it certainly, he certainly liked it. So that's awesome. You know, listening to you, Vinny, you can tell singing is your true love. I mean, it is. Yeah, more than drumming, just you love singing. I, it, you know, um, it reminds me a little bit of the Harry Chapin song, Mr. Tanner. He says he did not know how well he sang, he just knew it made him whole. And I get that feeling from you that just, Give me a mic and let me sing, and I'll make a joyful noise. And, and I think I that's amazing. I, I I enjoy it. I enjoy it immensely. That's good. And there's one one of my dreams is to be one of the girls at the Jimmy Buffett concert. <laughs> <laughs> we should reach out to Jimmy, saying, "Hey, come on, help a brother out." <laughs> I want to go up there and sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'd like That's to, what I I'd like to end with if you could just in share with mm-hmm. us, kind of when you found out that you were going to be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and and how that made you feel and how magical was that night. I I just would love to hear your perspective of that. I'm telling you, if I was ever lucky enough to get in something like that, I, I would be like, hi, I'm Jesse Jackson, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> so I just want to hear your kind of thoughts and how it went for you. Well, well, you know, like I found out because um, Bruce was in, you know, and I've, yeah. he, I've gone to a few of the Hall of Fame shows with Bruce. You know, okay. He'll bring me along. And uh, when he was inducted, you know, I didn't get to play or anything, but that's fine. I, we were all there. Mike was sitting with Mike Appel and, you know, all the fellas. And then uh, now it's years later, uh, I get a, a, you know, text message. Hey, you're getting inducted into the, it was from Landau, you know, you're getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're going to, people will be in touch. And I went, holy Christ, you know, that's really something. And then the, the process starts and, of course, the curators of the Hall of Fame, they want stuff, you know, sure. they, they want stuff for the Hall of Fame. So it was, the curator came over to my house and uh, there were certain things I wasn't giving up, like my snare drum, the right. same snare drum I did the albums with. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still playing on it. Right. Uh, like that. when I when I croak, you know, maybe they can have it if my okay. daughter wants to go, okay. you know, but uh, but now that, that, that whole problem, then I went out there and 
I didn't, you know, I just went out there and invited us to come see the hole, me and, me and Dawn. So we went out there. And now while I'm there, they, they had this whole like radio interview set up with all of, you know, 200 people in this room. And uh, I'm doing that, you know, and, and and now the show comes and it was like, you know, you get picked up in the limo and they, they, you got your beautiful room and they're having a before dinner and then after dinner. And, you know, I mean, there's just so much to do. And then the actual show, you know, it only lasts for 15 minutes, you know, right. you, 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 you spend all the time preparing for the show and then it only lasts for 15 minutes. The speeches lasted for a long time right. because it was 10 of us giving speeches, you know, and David Sanchez, he, he quite, uh, he spoke for a long time. My, my speech, I tried to keep it to a minute. Yeah. You know, I really did. I just tried to keep it to a minute because I, you know, I kind of had an idea that it was going to run over. And, and, uh, and Bruce but, was a long introduction too. You know, he yeah. took a lot of time, and it was very beautiful what he said. Um, I, I was wondering how much did you work on your speech? You know, you certainly. Oh, I sat down. I okay. sat down and thought about it, and then I said, you know, all I want to do is give homage to these guys. Yes. Sunny, Sunny Kent, Bill Chinnick, Buzzy, Tinker. You know, these guys that really helped me along. Yeah. I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer. Uh, these are, these are the songwriter guys, right? These are the guys that, that, that do the stuff. I backed them up. You know, I was honored to be standing there and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's quite a, it's quite a thing. I'm not nervous ever in front of a crowd. Right. I, I don't care. I'm, I could be, a, a, a politician probably because mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to, to stand there and talk and, and yes, say sir. something. But on my, you know, on my speech, I thought about it and then I just went about the history of what I was, was thinking about. And the very first person that I mentioned, not because he was the first person I played with was Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know. But, yeah, I did think about the speech and you know, the Hall of Fame people said, Hey, keep try and keep it around a minute, you know. Yeah. So that's exactly what I did because 'cause I'm a if they say 'cause my motto now is yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you uh, know, yeah. you know, but yeah. but now since the Hall of Fame, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Now I I play in these golf tournaments. Wow. I do all kinds of different things. That that I wouldn't be doing if right. it wasn't for the Hall of Fame. You know, like this year, I'm going out and playing in Joe Madden's golf tournament out in, in Chicago. You know, oh how fun! And yeah, now here's something. Yesterday, yeah, I, I've been caddying for a pro for 30 years. Right. Okay. Mark McCormick, his name is. Well, we went up to New York State and uh into a qualifier for the u.s senior open okay and we shot we shot 67 we're the medalists we won the tournament and now we're going to boston in two weeks to play in the u.s senior open with tom kite and all nice oh it's to me that's another incredible whole part of my my life that i wouldn't give up for anything just the caddy and for mark 
that is, and how many years have you done that? For him? Yeah. 30 years. Now, how did that start? Well, I was, I worked at Hollywood Golf Club. Yeah. Uh, as caddy, I did a whole bunch of stuff there. But he was a young guy. He was an assistant over at Deal Country Club, and they would come over. And uh, I met him, you know, and I, he said, hey, uh, I got a Monday qualifier. You want to try and caddy for me? I said, sure, you know, and I'd, I'd caddy for him. He didn't have any money, so he'd give me a golf club, you know. Yeah. But we started going all around. I had an old car. I drove him around. But my joke with him is, I said, you know, I'm, we'll be talking to a whole bunch of people. Like, How did you meet Mark? I said, well, when I first met Mark, he was a kid. I was an old fart then. so you know but i've been with him and now we've been to the u.s open in 2012 because we qualified we were four under par at that qualifier and in this qualifier now we're going to the u.s senior open we shot four under par and we're the medalists i mean it's to me it's like crazy that's amazing and And I, i will be following that to see how how fun such diverse and and you can hear the pride in your voice about you know helping mark and being part of that because that truly is you know a team the you know the person caddying you know in the in the golfer it is a group effort you know you guys are working together that's that is great um yeah and i i I learned my caddy business uh really so yeah about that too so, do you have anything coming up that you want to share about? Well, uh, that to me right now is the most important thing I got coming up. Okay, that uh, sounds like it. Is, yeah, is caddying in that, but we, you know, we always have our dog whistle gigs. Okay, uh, you know, like we're playing tomorrow night at Yvonne's down in Neptune. But I also play with a guy named Gary Capco uh, in the wonderful the wonderful winos. We're called. We've been playing oh, at nice. the Lorita Winery for five years on Wednesday nights. Oh, how it's fun. ladies night. And we've, we've been there and it's just Gary plays the guitar. He's a blues guy. He's in the blues hall of fame. Right. And I just play my snare. Yeah. And we do, but we do steel mill and we do Bruce Springsteen band songs. We do Gary's stuff. We do, he, he's written a lot of stuff. We okay. do his stuff, but we do old blues too. Oh, and, and you know, we go through this whole gambit of songs and, uh, but me and him sing and it's, and it's a lot of fun. That and, sounds... uh, that's something else that I like. Yeah, that sounds amazing. In the light of day, I do a lot of work for them. You're a great storyteller. You're a wonderful guest, and I thank you so much. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, how can they? Yeah. Well, I'm on Facebook. Okay. Uh, you, you, you can't really friend me, but uh, you can get to me through Facebook, okay. the Messenger, you know, and I, okay. you know, I respond. Okay. Every morning I look at my Facebook. Uh, that's the best way, really. Okay. Very um, nice. Or see me, see me ready to gig. You know. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook, generally tells where I'm going to be. Okay. You know, playing and such like that. Otherwise, that's about it. You know, I don't have any web page or, or okay. anything like that. So. All right. Well, that sounds good. But, um, as I said, honored. Thank you for spending the time with me. I appreciate it. I wish you continued success. And, man, wouldn't it be fun to win that senior U.S. Open? Oh, 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 oh. Would that, tell me about that. Would that not be, <laughs> you know, um, 
you, I'm going to have to have you on for you to brag if that happens, right? <laughs> Just if that happens, talk... I'm going to call you. Watch it. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> um, uh, thank you, Vinny. You have a wonderful night, and uh, thank you for all the music and all the joy and for being so active among us, all us Springsteen fans. And to uh, you are uh, you are as I said, New Jersey royalty, and all of us Springsteen fans, whether from Jersey or not, feel like we are. And so... I got to go a big shout out to all them spring nuts. Absolutely. We appreciate it. So have a good night, sir, and I hope we'll talk soon. Hey, thank you very much. Very cool. Never gonna call you up one day, so brother, you better get ready. Never gonna call you up one day, so brother, you better get ready. Oh, pack your things, be ready to go. you had a great time at the seaside serenade oh it was wonderful it was a great event man i was jealous i i've been on stan's tour before well i just told different stories you know i mean stan has stories of bruce right you know, every place that bruce was there well i was there too yeah exactly <laughs> and i have a whole bunch of different stories about certain things you know What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. 
I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.